Hey, it's Terry, and welcome to the podcast. Now, let me introduce you to Skylar Zare, who is a 3D animation director at Arcana Studio. And if Arcana Studio sounds familiar to you, that is because I interviewed the founder and CEO in last week's episode. But in this episode, Skylar is going to reveal the skills he worked on to go from animation graduate at Vancouver's Visual College of Art and Design to animation director at Arcana. And besides his specialty of punching emotion into inanimate objects and creatures through 3D animation, Skylar is also a proud father of one, and he met his wife at the Orpheum in Vancouver, who he also runs a food business on the side with. Now, let's just jump right in. Hi, Skylar. Thanks for coming on the podcast. How are you doing? Yeah, Terry, it's uh, good, man. Doing good. I'm still at work. It's uh, still at my, my Discord. Is we, we work on our, at our studio. We work off of uh, the Discord platform. So I know a lot of studios use Slack or their own priority. Priori- I don't know what the word is, but they have their own software for chatting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we, we use uh, Discord. And right now I'm looking down at it. It's just beeping nonstop. And it's like nine plus. Oh man, sure I hate like that. It's like 99 Discord. plus. It's so annoying. Like I wish they changed to something else. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. well, I'm, I'm glad you're using work time to come on a podcast. And I hope your boss is listening to this. Uh, also, your boss was on this podcast and used his own work time to come on this podcast too. A while back, so <laughs> he, will, he will be okay with that. <laughs> yeah, um, cool. And you're working from home right now, obviously, right? Because of, of COVID, you haven't, I don't, like things in Vancouver, I feel like are a little bit more lax than they are here in Toronto. We're still in pretty much lockdown situation. Oh yeah, it's all it's all remote. It's been remote since they announced the state of emergency. Gotcha. Yeah. Cool. Well, I want to I want to chat all about your journey and, uh, you know, because you have kind of an interesting, interesting journey of coming from, I guess, mainland BC, as you told me, and then coming to Vancouver with big dreams and then, you know, getting burnt out at a certain point after running the gauntlet and then trying to get back in and working your way up to animation director, which I think is incredible. So let's, let's backtrack it a little bit and tell me about those big dreams you had as a kid and, and uh, what made you pursue this roller coaster career path? Yeah. Um, well, just as a kid, I don't know if this is really relevant and I don't think that people need to feel like they had this in their childhood but for me I had uh, when I was a kid I would draw like these worlds of like creatures I would do um, you know like Ninja Turtles is is turtles with bandanas well my thing was uh, dinosaurs with bandanas and they had their own worlds and their own were they teenage mutant ninja dinosaurs (laughs) basically basically but I got really deep with that like I had them in uh, underground or underworld underwater worlds I had them like I had it all fleshed out and and yeah so that was as a like a really young child that's what I would draw and then I stopped all art stuff all the way through high school I did nothing and then I started playing a video game uh, called Mass Effect okay Uh, Mass Effect when I played that game I don't know it put something inside of me that made me want to be involved in the industry I didn't know at this point whether I was going to be an animator or whether I was going to be a video game designer or whatever. I was like, this is so neat. This game really inspired me. I want to do this. And uh, that was, I think that was when I was 18 years old. That was um, 13 years ago or something. But from that seed, I, I, I remember I typed in Google at the time, which was like a new thing back then, uh, like Vancouver, animation school because I was I live outside of Vancouver's like well it's the closest place and sure enough an advertisement popped up and I clicked it and I signed up 
and I didn't even know anything about the school. I didn't know if I could qualify or anything. I just, yeah, that's how I got started. Which, which school was it? Yeah, at the time it was called the Vancouver College of Art and Design. Yeah. I think they've changed their name now. I think it's the Visual College of Art and Design. But yeah. Kept the acronym with the V in there. That's that's easy. Yep. So did you have to put together a portfolio or it was just like, hey, you signed up, you're in, your high school grades were like passable, so it's it's all good. Yeah, I sent them my high school grades and I think literally that's it. Like they may or may not have been struggling financially for students. <laughs> So it didn't take much. I'm not going to lie to you, Terry. We're glad to have you. <laughs> oh, you pass automatically. Fine. Give us your money. I mean, fair. So, okay. So it sounds like that was kind of pivotal in, in entering the industry for you. Is that like the number one thing that got you a job after school was going to that school? Like, did they set you up with an internship and everything? Uh, no, no, they, they don't. That school does, didn't really help me with, oh. with a whole lot. Um, it was... What I appreciated about this school was it, it made me more of a uh, technician. Like, here's a bunch of software. This is how you use the software, but like, this is not how you animate. So essentially I'm a, basically I'm a self-taught animator. So from there, I just, I practiced. I, I, I spent hours and hours. Um, I remember uh, the, the cat tail. It's one of the, it's an assignment that uh, a lot of animators will get assigned when they're in school. But I could not animate the cattail, especially in 2D. So like I had in my room, I was literally uh, on both sides of my chair. There was there were piles, mounds of paper because I wouldn't give up on this freaking cattail. And I have like the S and C curve of a, a tail moving on like a ball. Exactly. hundred percent. hundred percent. I couldn't like, I don't know what it was. I couldn't imagine it. And I was thinking of it the wrong way. So I was drawing and drawing and drawing and drawing and drawing. And I eventually, you know, I drew the cat, the cattail S curve. Did something click? Like, obviously you're an animation director now who can, who can do a cattail in his sleep, but what was, mm -hmm. other than just mounds of paper, what was the, the thinking differently that got you to figure it out? I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes, yeah. Sometimes you just have like a mind block. And honestly, it was like a mind block. I had to get past, I had to get through it. It was like, it was, it's like a wave, right? But I couldn't imagine the wave happening for some reason. So I just, what ended up happening is um, a day before the assignment was due, I spent the whole week. I, I didn't work on any of my other classes. I spent the whole week on this cat's tail. And the day before, actually, pretty sure it was an hour before my class, something clicked, just like you said, something clicked. And I started drawing the tail and it, I was like, oh, there's the wave. Oh, I see it. And then I, 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 I don't know, submitted my assignment and I think I got 80%. Nice. <laughs> what, a, what an experience. I hope everything after that was a breeze and not so. Oh, it was a lot easier. And my roommate, like he thought I was an, in, he thought I was crazy. Like my, I, he'd open my door, or at least I'd open my door and my paper would spill out into like the common area. <laughs> so tell me how you got your first job in uh, Vancouver, because, you know, you were, you had that dream, you moved to the big city, you were in animation school, you figured out the cattail. Yeah. So the first job, uh, it was, it was quite difficult. Um, my demo reel wasn't that strong because uh, I'm more of a self-taught, like they, the, my school had, had animators as teachers, but 
they they more taught you how to be a generalist and i feel like this is the case for a lot of schools out there yeah yeah they will teach you to be a generalist or a maya technician as i like to refer to it as or even like zbrush like all these software all the software that you don't really need as an animator so uh i don't know if there's a where if i were to give advice or whatever but if if there are people listening to this who are in the middle of school and they don't know what a focus is yet i would just pick pick a focus and go for it because a 3d generalist out of school is it's a bit tough and it was tough for me i i applied to hundreds of studios and um well, maybe not hundreds, but in Vancouver, it is the largest, I don't know, cluster of visual effects and animation studios in the world. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. There's over 60 studios in that cluster. That's insane. So, so you applied, I'm assuming to as many as you could. So maybe 60, how many, <laughs> how many, how many interviews did you get? Because like, this is reminding me of when I came out of business school, I applied to I had like a spreadsheet to track it all. I applied to 150 jobs. I got 15 interviews and I got, yes. uh, I think it was like five offers or something at the end hmm. of the day. Some, it was like, it was like a, it was like a 15, 15, five thing all the way down. Oh, wow. like that. But it, it took me a long time. Like, so was it, was it similar for you? Like 60, 60 yes. jobs? I think it actually is very similar to those numbers. I think I had three interviews though. Yeah. So wow. three interviews and I got one offer. So a little bit tighter there. Um, but yeah, I was living in Vancouver working in like as a warehouse dude, like I was hustling packages like through a, as a shipping clerk. Yeah. And I was just trying to get in like there's a big struggle just to get in. And I was just trying to do that. So and I got an offer uh, eventually. Nice. Um, it took a year of applying and refining my demo reel after I graduated. But I got an offer. They asked me to submit a piece of dialogue uh, between two characters, and uh, and that was all I needed. So I I, I animated that over a weekend. And this is after showing them your demo reel. Oh yeah, hmm. for sure. Is that normal to do an animation test after a demo reel you submit? Um, that's a good question. I I think they were they were maybe they were I don't know what they were, but they were just not fully certain about me fair, fair. as a, their first as a first hire like I had no other experience um, what I did try to do uh, during the time I was unemployed or rather not employed in the animation industry was I was always doing art related stuff like I, I had a small gig as a storyboard artist oh nice yeah it was more like a thumbnailist person like I did tons of thumbnails and that was a really cool experience for me as well it was more of a, I didn't list it in my, in my portfolio just because it lasted like two or three weeks, but I would do stuff like that. And I would do artwork for um, like 3d artwork. I would try to, to, to do it for artists that needed it for just for free, like uh, some musician friends and stuff like that. So, so yeah. I'm just thinking um, you said it would, it's a, it's not optimal to be a generalist when you're applying out of school, given you know, thinking about your career path and where it's landed now, if you were to go back, what would you have specialized in to end up where you are now, maybe quicker or uh, to close that year gap to maybe be a couple months instead? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's to know what you're going to school for 
I was going to school to discover, mm. I felt. So a year into school, into school, I decided that I was going to be an animator. So that just left me with like a year left. So there was a year essentially just wasted doing. Wait, school's only two years for you. Yeah, it's two years. Oh, diploma. wow, so quick. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah, that was quick. But yeah, so, so I, I had to decide there, there will come a point where you, you actually know you have to like, you have to decide. Otherwise mm -hmm. you're just going to be stuck. So I was like, I, I honestly, I, I, it was a little bit of a, a random choice. I was like, well, I like modeling. I like doing uh, art for, you know, whatever, uh, texture artists for video games, stuff like that, low poly modeling. I thought, you know what, I'm just, I have a spark in this. And what I, what I thought, why I thought I would be successful is because I had an eye for animation. And I think that that is a common factor, uh, uh, you know, among animators is if you can tell something is wrong with uh, like a person, like a walk cycle or something, you feel like something is off, but you can't quite put your finger on it. I think just having that, um, that sense, a lot of people don't have that sense. Like as an animation director now, I have a lot of artists that will submit shots to me to, for, for approval. And I'm looking at them like, I'm surprised that you can't see the amount of uh, issues that are, are in some of the submissions that I, I get. I don't want to say like, you know, a certain artist, but sometimes I'll get shots. And I'll, I'll almost be shocked. Like, wow, you didn't notice this. So I have, I've always had that. I guess that's an eye for, for what you see in nature, I guess, physics, like the weight of an object or how a ball bounces. You can, you can tell when it's fake. Oh yeah, totally. And I, I like what you're saying because like, uh, for instance, I'm thinking about my perception. Like I really enjoy beautiful layouts with like amazing perspective and stuff, but I don't have that eye really to, to, to instantly tell when something is off. Like I really have to study it and like apply the principles that I've learned versus like uh, for animation or like stop motion is kind of my specialty. It's, oh, cool. it's like an instant feeling gut reaction where I, I am like internally critiquing it as I'm experiencing it, I guess. Is, mm -hmm. that, is that what you kind of mean? That's exactly what I mean. It's almost like a muscle or, yeah, or, a, re yeah. or a reaction where you're looking at something like, whoa, something just caught, like my muscle just like, I don't know, it's activated. Yeah. And I remember always having that, which was kind of to my benefit. Well, so, I mean, this is your professional career now. Is that, <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm asking, has that been the right choice for you all this time? And is that kind of instinct led you to really hone your skill and, and move up in your career in that aspect? Uh, I, I think so. Uh, it's, it's really helped me. It's been uh, by my side. It's kind of guided me through my animation career. I went from uh, an animation PA, which is not even, it's like the lowest rank of an animator. You, you don't even get the, the title of animator or junior animator. It's like you're an animation PA. So what do you do as an animation PA? <laughs> you animate. <laughs> What are you animating though? If you, if you don't even get the role as an animator, like is they just it... don't give you the dignity of it. You do the same job as any of the animators. So then, why is it a separate thing? Is it just so they don't have to pay you as much? Is it like a I feel like, like a proof of rights to go? Yeah, like... it's a proof of rights. It's something like that. They I remember my first job. So at this place that that eventually gave me the offer. So this is the kind of place it was. This is sweat house. 
it was a it was a terrible place to 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 work. Uh, the atmosphere was really enticing because you walk in, and right out of school, you, you're yeah. just, wow, you worked on this, you're working on that, and you're just like consumed by the culture. You're like, oh my god, this yeah. is this is where it's at. I need to stay in this company. I need to do I need to do whatever it takes to survive. And that place was it's a bit of a sweatshop. That place it was. Uh, I was telling you a bit earlier that my first job uh, as an animator, I, they didn't even call me an animator. They called me an animation PA. That stinks. Yeah. And it was ridiculous to me for a company to be like, how can we pay people even less? I mean, that, that makes sense because companies do that, but it's like, we'll hire people at an even lower level and get them to do the same amount of work and then feed them this narrative that they can work their way up after they've been a sweatshop for a while <laughs> that's what it sounds like to me uh this play okay so it is a studio in vancouver uh, i won't say the name but if there are listeners from vancouver i'm pretty sure you will know what this place what this place is called but yeah they they would do just what you said it was like you're an animation pa i had the same quota so they had this ai algorithm that told you how many frames you should be animating and it would randomly assign you stuff. And sometimes I would get a shot and it was like eight characters, uh, 16 frames and like 20 props. So I was like, oh, what, like, what the heck? So I would actually set up the shot. They, they, they made you do the layout too. I would set up the shot. And after I finished setting it up, I was three, my three hours of my day was gone just from getting the characters in, the props in, their initial posing in, it was three hours, it was gone. And the quota for 16 frames was two and a half hours. <laughs> so I haven't even started animating yet and I'm already three hours is, is gone and I'm behind. So well, that was- Screw uh, you. <laughs> essentially, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you were telling me earlier, this experience led to some, I'm assuming it's this experience that led to some some burnout yeah so uh after i think i spent three months in the studio uh i remember i was so this I was, is your first job out of school three months in the studio working like yeah. crazy yeah yeah i was a young kid too i was i rented a place in vancouver for this job i did everything like oh man vancouver I committed has rent crazy so was it is uh back in the day was it still that crazy it was crazy but uh, it was it was actually that was the best experience about this whole thing was my roommate so i guess they housed a lot of international students hmm. and i had eight roommates they're all from japan and they became some of my best friends it was the coolest time so these these japanese people they really admired me for some reason i still can't figure out why they just wanted to spend time with me and talk to me and, and hang out and i actually ended up um after this whole thing uh, was over, I moved out of Vancouver. I invited the whole schwack of them to my house, my parents' house. We had this awesome time together. Uh, yeah. Nice. That's, yeah. that's, that sounds like a really cool experience. At first I was like, I'm sorry, eight roommates. That sounds way too much. <laughs> it was awesome, man. I really enjoyed it. And they could, uh, I don't know, they could drink those people. Holy cow. <laughs> So, so tell me about this burnout experience. So after only three months, you, you were like, I've had enough. 
Oh yeah, three months is all it took. Oh man, uh, three- that's crazy. Like this was your dream. You like gave up everything, moved to Vancouver, went to the school, spent a year applying to every job, three months in. Three months, man. Wow. It's all it took. It was, it was honestly, it was, it, it, it was, I can't just thinking about it, man. It was like so much anxiety. I remember at some point uh, towards the end, uh, I was sitting there on a Sunday. I was doing 15 hour days. And then I was coming in Saturday, Sunday to fill up my quota. And I was still behind. But I would do this. And I thought I had to. I thought like, this is what I had to do. And this is the this was the dream. This was the passion. And I was getting paid $15 an hour. And working and they only paid me for eight hours. So it was like, it was just a miserable experience. It was miserable. And I remember one time I was, I was in on a Sunday and I just started to feel uh, my chest, my chest hurt. And looking, looking back to it, I know what it was. It was an anxiety attack. It was like, my chest is physically in pain mm-hmm. and my head started filling with like, like I started to feel really, really lost. Like, what am I doing? what is going on? I need to go. So I got up, I left the computer on my shots are all open. Everything is everywhere. And I walked out of the studio and I didn't go back until, uh, well, I guess it was the next morning, (laughs) but I went back and I remember my production supervisor pulling me aside and saying, Hey, um, we got to talk to you. And we went to this, um, we left, we, we left the studio to a different building. It was like a, an office style building and they sat me down and say it's not working out like i i we're gonna have to i'm sorry it didn't work out with you but it's it's not working out and i think what it was was i was spending so many hours there and not producing the amount that they felt i i I should have been producing for the amount of hours i was i was there so they were looking at my clock end times not the eight hours that uh, i would work or not the eight hours that you were you were sanctioned to do. So, anyways, most people I feel like would have been really uh, sad and depressed and like, well, what am I going to do next uh, if they lost their job? But for me, it was like, thank God this is over. <laughs> this was yeah. this was awful. I mean, I walked away and I just felt like a thousand pound weight was off my shoulders. And uh, I, I pretty much at that point, I said, I'm never doing this again. That's it. Like, I'm, I'm finished with this. This was not the right career choice for me. I made a big mistake. And uh, I moved out of Vancouver. I moved to back to my hometown with my parents, a tiny little town of 6,000 people. And I just started uh, doing construction. Like uh, I was a laminate, laminate flooring installer. I would install floors and drywall and all that kind of stuff. How did it feel to go back home after spending uh, two years in school, a year looking for a job? So like, I guess three years and three months and then to come back home and say like, how, how did that feel? Cause you just told me that you didn't want to ever do that again. <laughs> like, Well, it, it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel good. I mean, I was back in my, in my parents, like, basement essentially as as the stereotype goes that's what i did and i was on the couch i didn't even have a room because i have like six brothers and they were still all there (laughs) 
You're yeah, used to being around one. a lot of people all the time. Eight roommates, yeah. six brothers. <laughs> I got a sister too. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> all right. So, so how did you, so you're, you're back home, you're sleeping on a couch, uh, you're doing construction. What, what made you decide to give it a try again? Uh, well, uh, one of my colleagues from, from school, uh, he told me about the studio he was working in. I, re- I remember some, sometimes at nighttime, like right before I'm falling asleep, I would start to think about animation. I started to be like, hey, wouldn't that be great if there was a, a, an animation job that was, that was normal that I could do? And I would think about this and I would get a little bit teary-eyed actually, in, in all honesty. I would start to like get a little bit emotional because that's what I wanted to do. And then I remember one day I got a, a message, like a, um, a Google Hangouts message from one of my colleagues that's saying, we really need, uh, we need you at the studio. Uh, do you want to come, come back? Uh, and this was at, this is for Arcana. He was the, the lead animator there, or the, actually he was the animation director at the time. But he, he said that they, he knew I was a decent animator. So that's why he reached out to me. Where did he know you from? Was it the previous job that you had? Or oh yeah, so we went to school together. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah. Interesting. So why why did he reach out to you specifically, though? I I'm not sure. Um, we kind of kept in contact. I I, I amounted to that. That yeah. he just we were kind of friends still. He knew I was a decent animator. Hey, why not? He convinced Sean, who is my current boss and was the CEO back then, still is, to uh, give me an interview. So that was back in Burnaby, though, and I didn't want to go back. Yeah. So now it was this weird opposite struggle where Sean, so I, I did some, so Sean, I did some work for him uh, as, a, as like a test. So he had a, a super small production about um, a cat and it was, about a, it was for a storybook release or a comic book release. And they wanted a little animated feature for it. So I did the whole thing. I did the feature in like two weeks. I think there was like 30 or 40 shots. They're all pretty long shots, but one character, uh, a few props. And he, uh, apparently he loved it. Wait, so he asked you, did he ask you to do the whole feature or you just went to town? Uh, he asked me to do it. Okay. Uh, I did it remotely before we could even work remotely properly. Yeah. So I would save my Maya files on a thumbstick and I would... <laughs> drive out to Burnaby once a week and pretty much deliver them. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. Because <laughs> they're, they're pretty, they're pretty large files at that time. It was like, I had to put them in the pipeline and all that stuff. So I just thought, oh, I'll just do it. Cause I couldn't really get into their servers right from home yeah. Yeah. back then. This was like, this was early 2015. Our studio was pretty small. I was going to say, cause Google, the first story you told me there was no such thing as Google. It was just starting out and now we're at Google Hangouts. So some years have passed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Facebook, Facebook was just, Facebook Just is brand new. Thing. The iPhone one and Facebook, Google all started around the same time. At the dawn of the age of technology, iPhone <laughs> one, Facebook. <laughs> yep. So so he so Sean was really impressed with your with this feature that you produced, and then he was just like, "Come on board, you're animation director." Like, how how did you start at Arcana then? Yeah. So he really liked that work. So he would he would beg. He, I don't want to say beg, but he would ask me to come frequently. Yeah. Frequently, yeah. I would get emails from him. Hey. 
when are you coming to the studio? When are you coming to the studio? When are you coming back? So what was stopping you from being like, hey, I, I dream about animation to the point where I get emotional about it and now I'm doing it and I have a really great offer. I was hurt, honestly, I was hurt. I, yeah. The industry yeah. injured me and I was making great money what I was doing. Uh, I started a small little house flipping business with my dad. Oh, nice. I was making bank. I was doing yeah, just I was flipping business in Vancouver. I, I can imagine. <laughs> yes, I was making bank, man. And it was, I didn't really want to leave that. But yeah. the desire to animate inevitably won this struggle. Was, there, was there like a moment or a day when that, that decision switched for you? Because it sounds to me like it was a tough decision. You're, you're making bank, you're working with your dad. Um, and then there's this other opportunity that already really hurt you. Was there a day where things became clear for you? Like what really made that switch for you? Uh, it, to me at that time, it was still a risk, like uh, even an emotional risk because yeah. this thing that I did injured me and now I'm going back to do it again. Even though it's a completely different environment, Sean's a great guy. I knew all this. I knew Kevin. Ken was my friend from school who was there. Even though I knew all these things, I was still like, it was a risk. But there was a moment where I decided to do it. And I started commuting uh, an hour and a half. So I didn't move back to Vancouver. I just started commuting. So it was an hour and a half to the studio every day, one, one way. And I'd come home and I started my uh, career again um, as an animator with the animator title too. Yeah, there you got <laughs> it finally. Did you, did you uh, have a backup plan in your mind? Like I can always go back to this house flipping thing if it doesn't work out. Like was that part of your decision or did you literally say like, I want to give up everything and pursue this without going back? No, I had, I had my... I had like security put things in, in place for myself. Like, yeah. especially after that first experience, I was like, no, I'm not, I'm not giving this as much as I did before because it, it wasn't worth it. But I would still, uh, you know, I still push myself as an animator. I wanted to push myself and I wanted to push the quality of the studio. And that's when the leadership role started to come in to play a little bit was that desire to push the quality of uh, a studio to the next level and how and how do you do that so um i don't know do you want should i get into that now but the yeah why not okay cool yeah so when i was an animator there um i just started showing initiative and you have to keep in mind this is a small studio uh where you have room to show initiative sometimes you don't even have that much room to do that mm -hmm. So that's why I think startups are a great place to start your animation career is because they have lots of room for you to show initiative to help grow the company. Yeah. And yeah, so that's what I did. I, I The first thing I did as a, a lead animator was I created a, I guess you would call it an animation method of, hey, we have a low budget uh, or a small budget we have 10 animators. How do we get like, I don't know, 40 shots approved a day? Like, how do we do that? So I, can, I, I created a little bit of, a, of, a, of an animation method of how you can create uh, 
how you can animate a shot as quickly as possible, but with a standard of quality that wasn't so terrible. So I started doing that. I started to develop this, this okay, like, can anybody animate? You know, can I get a, the front desk person to come and animate, you know, for instance, it was, it was that easy to get shots to a certain level of quality. Yeah. So we kind of, we could bring in all these new students without any experience without, and their schools didn't teach them how to animate either. It was like the same thing. It was like, Oh, you know how to open Maya, but you don't know how to animate. Hmm. But we would take these people in and we make animators out of them, out of them. So I'm, what you just said was really interesting to me. The front desk person, like the person like answering phones and keeping uh, the office like organized as well? Well, I mean, I would tease that person about, okay. come, come do some animation. I can show you. Yeah. And I think I probably could. I think I could. At least to a, a certain standard, right? A certain level. Animation is not easy, but there is a method. You can put in a method to get you to a certain level. So what is, what is the core foundation of, of that method to get to a certain level where you, you, you can teach anybody it? Uh, I think just like a pose to pose style. So if you look at something like Paw Patrol, the super simple looking show, and you can tell they just go from pose to pose. And the silhouette of the character is very clear. It's clear what they're doing. And you know what they're, you know, how you don't need to do a lot of different acting or subtleties, just like, oh, mm -hmm. you know, in a talking headshot, we have two, uh, two characters or oh, one's over the shoulder looking on the other character. You can just switch back and forth, uh, back and forth between those cameras and put in an animation method. It's not that great, but you can, I don't know, you can get by, I guess, is, is the way I would, I would show it. So we were, we were a small studio. And I would kind of show animators how to basically what I needed to, to be shown as, as a junior myself. Oh, nice. Yeah. It's almost, do you feel like your experience from that first studio uh, helped you craft this workflow and teach others uh, at, at Arcana? Oh, absolutely. Um, in fact, I stole most of the workflow from them. <laughs> well, I meant like the, they run you through the gauntlet so you you were like here's what I would have wanted coming into yeah. a studio type of thing yeah but that's fair <laughs> I mean I can't say I stole that but I mean from my experience there I said hey we can do something similar and it'll up our quality and yeah. we can show the newbies how to do this so uh, being at Arcana now, you know, the studio is still growing and developing and it's now producing features and and like all these great things. And I think that's quite amazing because it's been pretty quick as a startup. What's been the hardest thing for you uh, to to develop or overcome from a from a personal level? I know you talked about your struggle of, uh, you know, you were hurt. Um, maybe maybe I'm already answering the question. Maybe that's the hardest thing to overcome. But as as you've progressed with the studio and worked your way mm. up, what is what is the hardest thing for you to have learned through this whole experience, be it a skill or a mentality that has helped you get to the next level? Uh, yeah, the the hardest thing after, after getting over that first bit of just like the disillusionment of the industry or, or the sweat 
house or sweatshop animation studio or whatever. Uh, it was actually breaking out of that mindset of uh, TV animation, simple poses, simple things, and bringing it to a level where there's a little bit of uh, Disney magic. So mm -hmm. it's like the next hardest thing was actually quality. It was actually taking a simple workflow and actually injecting quality to it or morphing, um, massaging it enough that it becomes something beautiful. And that that is still in development. Like it's come a long way with me and with the team, but, and we're producing the best stuff we've ever produced. And it's, I would say it's pretty damn competitive with nice. a lot of stuff that's out there, especially in our latest feature, which I hope your uh, listeners check out. Um, yeah, it's that was the hardest thing was, hey, how how do we take this to the next level? How do we create beautiful animation? And allowing myself the time to do that, because in my background with uh, these super fast TV studios that don't allow you any time, no pee breaks, that kind of stuff. Uh, it kind of gets in your gets in your head a little bit that you have to produce shots, you yeah. have to produce approved animation and as fast as you can. So I think that was the next big challenge. So how do you, with hitting deadlines and things like that, how do you, where do you slow down the process so you can, cause sorry, I'm, I'm trying to like uh, digest what you said. So you, you went from pose to pose and you mm -hmm. developed a whole process around that. And I'm uh, assuming it was, and you said it was tough to move to uh, creating more magic in the, in the animation and making things yes. smoother. Did that change like your whole structure of workflow and, and the timelines? Like, how do you, how do you know that's going to pay off if you've been doing something and it's been successful and then you have to like drastically change that workflow? Like, how do you, how do you take that risk? Oh, that you hit the nail on the head. It, it's a huge risk. And my, my boss, Sean kind of had to force me to do it because I wasn't used to doing that. And he's yeah. like, I would still be producing tons of shots, like approved, approved, approved. And then he'd be like, you know what? You have to slow this down. It's like, I know that's not what we've done in the past, but it's okay now to take a little time uh, yeah. to think about these shots, to do a little bit of shoot your own reference, that sort of thing. And yeah, so. What is the drive behind that? Because um, like, are you, are you trying to be competitive with certain studios? It, it sounds kind of like that. So you need to infuse this or are you trying to hit a certain level of craft? Like what is the drive behind changing the process to allow for this, this new way of uh, animating? Oh, that's a, that's a tough question for me. Um, I guess the drive for me personally is self-improvement. Mm -hmm. um, you always want to be learning. You always want to get better. You don't want to do the same thing every day and get the same results you actually want to improve. So for me as an animation director now, I don't have as much time to animate, yeah. but what I can do is help the team improve and help everyone stay, I don't know, healthy in their mindset and not get that uh, mentality of, I have to do this or else this. Yeah. You know, I have to, it's like a punishment system. It's like, I have to finish this or else like, I don't know, it's over, my career is over. And if you animate under those conditions for yourself, 
it's your work quality sucks it it not only are your shots like i don't know the characters they won't you didn't put any magic into it it's just like you you fought your way through and grinded out the shot and it looks okay it's yeah. like if you can just relax give yourself time even if there even if everyone's telling you there's no time just give yourself the time to to create something that you that you like and i got to say it yields the best results and nobody falls far behind nice yeah. um as you were saying that it got me to thinking of some shots i animated recently where i got so in my head about during when I was animating it and watching it afterwards that I couldn't even feel like I could critique it very well because I was so focused on the technicalities that I was trying to pull off versus the overall thing. And even like watching it the next day, I already felt like I was so, uh, it was so in my brain already. I couldn't look at it with a fresh mindset. So I had to show it to people who had never seen it before to get some real critique. Uh, is is I don't know if this resonates with you, but is there a way to um get out of that get out of your head with a shot that's like mm -hmm. kind of in that zone for you i don't even know what i'm saying right now but <laughs> I, I i actually understand what you're saying uh there is a way to get out and what i do is i show somebody who's not in the industry yeah i show uh my wife who's who she's a she's a scientist she's got no idea about um whatever animation or art in general uh and don't tell her that she probably won't take that very, very well. <laughs> no the work she does is beautiful and it's artistic in a different way yeah but, yeah yeah there I, we, we can tell her that <laughs> but uh and she would say oh like his head looks funny or something like that yeah and i would yeah. i would take that comment and just dissect it like okay oh and then I would see it. Then, it, then it would it would come back to me. Gotcha. Of, yeah. yeah, so that's a good. That's what I do personally. But nice. I almost feel like, uh, yeah, like my thing is stop motion. And uh, when you're done a shot, you can't change anything unless you redo the whole shot. So in that sense, it's almost like a blessing. But with 3D, you can go in and same with 2D and like continuously perfect it forever, right? Like you can mm -hmm. spend your whole career on one on one shot. I mean, you could. <laughs> So how do you know how do you know when it's done other than just hitting a, a deadline when you get comments like oh the head is is funny and and like do you have to make a decision to say the budget doesn't allow for this or it does allow for this or like what yeah yeah uh, that's where I guess some leadership comes in especially as an animation director person is when uh, you're you're working let's say I'm working with a junior animator which we have in our studio. And we've we've gone through the shot six, seven, eight times, mm. and it's been sent back for eight revisions. And I'm I'm now getting uh, diminishing returns. I don't want to treat that person like um, I don't want to mistreat that person who's, you know, putting their their hard work into this shot. So what I'll actually do is I'll approve their shot um, on the basis that if we keep working on it forever and ever and ever the improvement, like it's not going to improve that much. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's not going to get leaps and bounds better. It might get a little bit better. So sometimes you just have to let the shot through. You just have to like, you know what? The shot is, is not the best. 
but is it working in the show? Is it working in the overall edit? Yes. Yeah. Then at that point, you can say, you know what? That's okay. That's fair. I, yeah. I've, I've done that sometimes too, where I've redone a shot maybe two or three times, and then I still want to redo it, but then I have to say I have to work on the next shot. And if I have time at the end of everything, mm-hmm. then I'll go back and redo this shot because diminishing returns and then of course i never go back and redo that shot <laughs> and it's just <laughs> because finished. it was it's okay better. right and nobody says anything anyways nobody's like that one shot was uh <laughs> <laughs> i i get you so so okay so you, you know you're an animation director and i've heard this in from uh, from other directors too and i'm assuming you kind of picked on this too but like not knowing anything about the industry i first came in and i was like oh animation director that sounds like you're just you're doing animation all the time and it's you're doing like all the awesome shots but it Actually, is you're doing a lot less animation and more or less, uh, you know, letting other people do the animation and kind of critiquing and and um, directing them. Is that? Can you give me a day to day what you do? Yeah, so I definitely have this nasty habit of setting up a list of shots that uh, I approved that I I know aren't like they weren't the best, and I really yeah. want to change them, whether it be like the acting or the timing or the subtleties or, or the action or whatever. So I will actually have my own list that is not related to anybody in the studio. It's like the editor doesn't know about it. The boss doesn't know about it. It's just my own list. And I will visit those shots and I will animate them or reanimate them. And uh, I say it's like a bad habit because um, it takes away from my actual job. I shouldn't be doing that. I, I need to be utilizing um, the people, the animators in a more efficient way. Like it's not as efficient as uh, if I go there and start to, to do that. So in, in, a, in some ways, uh, when you uh, do become an animation director from an animator, you have to start letting go of your own desire to, to animate something. Yeah. So you just said this was a secret list. Is this uh, you expo- exposing this thing? <laughs> well, uh, I guess I am. Uh, okay. If John I... listens to this podcast, he's going to know about this list. But but I actually, what you just said actually makes total sense to me. Imagine you pulled yourself away from animation completely. You might eventually start to be removed from understanding what goes into uh, the process and whatnot because you're you're living off of a a memory of animating versus still flexing that skill. So mm-hmm. to me, it actually sounds like that is a good thing and you should stay Interesting. animating. Interesting. Yeah. Well, the way I communicate with animators is very uh, animator to animator. Yeah. I don't communicate to my team uh, like a uh, director does per se. I try to say, Hey, you know, you know, these controls use this setting, uh, it's the head control. It's the neck control. Use the you know use COG space. Don't use uh, local space. Whatever it, whatever it might be. Like I try to talk to them on an animator to animator level. I don't say, hey, that shot looks odd. Can you fix it? Like yeah. his head. You know, I I give very uh, uh, I give notes that make sense to me as an animator. So yeah. I think that what you just said does make sense. It probably does help. Uh, it probably does help me give feedback, which I strive to to be more clear every day. Because the simpler I can I can deliver feedback, uh, the better. 
I mean, we work with a lot of different people from different parts of the world yeah. that are that are working in Vancouver. And sometimes there's a language barrier. So if I can deliver notes as clear as possible, simple as possible, that's what I try. That's what I strive to do. Nice. So it sounds like I'm just trying to think of like kind of the overall skills you need as an animation. Sorry. Uh, so there are 60 something studios, 3D studios in Vancouver. Mm -hmm. Would you say Arcana is kind of a typical, a typical studio? You mentioned it's a startup type of deal, but is it typical in, in like if you were an animation director at another studio, would you be doing something very similar? Uh, uh, personally, I don't think so. I think it's very atypical. Yeah. Uh, for instance, I um, I do a lot of layout. So when I assign a scene to uh, an animator, uh, I'm now basically uh, re-storyboarding some of their section. Uh, on like, I'll, I'll host my screen, I'll bring up the animatic, and I'll do drawovers over the animatic, um, and I'll deliver notes that way. Okay. And so normally that's a uh, more of a layout department. Uh, thing where you have a, you have a whole department dedicated to to layout and uh, where the characters should be and who you know continuity of characters and continuity of uh, of the scene uh, I take care of a lot of that actually and I feel that's an atypical thing for an animation director to be doing mm -hmm. uh, at the same time I don't mind that I know it's improving my skill set so I I don't complain about doing it so what is, what is an opportunity that you would have if you were to move to a different or maybe bigger studio as an animation director that, that uh, you currently that's don't good, have? Yeah, that's a, that's a good thing to, to, good question, actually. Uh, I could probably work in a layout department. I could probably be a layout soup or uh, an animation director or maybe even animation supervisor. I could do, because uh, I, I do handle a little bit of the production side of things here and there, at least I used to. Our studio has uh, expanded quite a bit. And thank God we have a, a great production team now. But I actually used to do the production side of things like uh, getting a quota, uh, hitting a deadline. I used to do a little bit of that stuff, which was honestly, it was uh, out of my pay grade or at least out of my skill set. But I used to try and do it. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. So what, what are, what are say, say if you were to replace yourself you're like, I'm going back to house flipping, but I want to leave this studio in a good place. What, what, is, what are some of the skills or qualities that you would look for in somebody to replace you? Know, I'm, I'm kind of asking this for, you know, there's somebody listening being like, I want to be an animation director. And right now I'm, uh, I don't know, a lead animator or animator. Like, what are the things I need to focus on to get to that, to that level of animation director? I would definitely want to work with a lead animator. I think lead animators are awesome. Yeah. So, so what are the skills then yeah, that, that you would want to replace yourself with? Like the top yeah, so a, a lead animator will have skills like uh, mentorship. They'll be able to mentor uh, junior animators. They'll be able to uh, balance a um, balance quota with quality very well. They'll be able to um, communicate well and also take responsibility for their own, their own shots. Like, yeah. So those are some of the own, uh, some of the qualities that I would. So I'm already and, and thinking like general... if I was a lead animator then, and I wasn't in a mentorship position, maybe I would want to start spending some extra time to uh, go to some juniors maybe and offer some, offer some tips and 
and things like that? Like what, what could, what could somebody do in their role right now to kind of up their game? Yeah. What you could do is uh, help the juniors get their shots uh, approved. So if a junior is struggling with uh, getting shots approved, if you were to initiate a relationship with the junior, like, Hey, uh, I know what your shots are missing. Uh, it's just a little push you need in this direction for the director to say that your shots are now uh, meeting the quality, uh, uh, the quality level that we need. And yeah, just doing stuff like that. The direct, the animation director will notice that, Hey, the junior is suddenly uh, getting their shots approved and you know, that all that, he's going to know that, that the lead was helping and everything. Yeah. And honestly, um, if the lead is helping the animation director uh, as much as they can, I think that that's already preparing you to be an animation director. Gotcha. Nice. Yeah. Um, so are you, are you personally living the dream right now? <laughs> Am I living you, the dream? You set out to when you were, if you think back to a little, um, you know, Skylar making, Teenage Mutant Ninja Dinosaurs underwater. And what he <laughs> what he wanted to do in the world is is uh, have you have you met that? Are you still have a little way to go, or have you surpassed surpassed that? Changed changed the dream? Like what's what's your mind at right now? <laughs> um, I think I'm I'm living a partial partial fulfillment of the dream. Mm. Um, I still have other dreams. Yeah. Yeah. So I've I've definitely achieved. Uh, the dreams I had set out for myself. Um, but as you uh, grow and as you animate, you develop new dreams. It's like, yeah, yeah more, more things that uh, that you think of and that you want to do and accomplish. Uh, but yeah, I would say that there are days I wake up and I'm like, you know what? I'm basically living the dream. Like, I know it's kind of a dangerous thing to say as well. Like you always want to be you want to be take satisfaction in your work for sure, but you also want to be, I don't know, I got this self-improvement thing where I really want to keep improving and keep, yeah. keep dreaming basically. Totally. So you, you mentioned, I th well, I, first of all, I think that's awesome that you've hit your, hit your dreams along the way. And, and it's, it seems natural to me for dreams to change as well. It's for me, it's like, as soon as I accomplish something that I worked so hard to get, it's like, there's a five second, uh, celebration in my mind and then it starts over and it's like what do I do now and then there's like a new a new dream that comes and it's like something that's scary and feels unattainable and then slowly you figure it out and work towards it so what are what are you what is part of the dream that you're pursuing now that you're animation director at a studio producing features and and stuff for tv and and like mentoring other animators and you're in a place where you're not working you know, the crazy hours that made you quit. So what is, what is that new path for you now? Uh, I think in the super, super far away, distant land of the unknown and the future, I'd like to have my own studio. Yeah. I think I'd like to uh, have my own production and create something unique. And I think that that's where my road has, has led me to. Um, I love the film industry. It's, yeah. I still want to make a film. Yeah. You know, I don't want to change industries. This is, you know, something that uh, I, I, I appreciate and, and value a lot. When you say unique, what does that mean for you? Like about the film industry? Well, you said you wanted to make a film. Or oh, I see. Oh, yeah. That's unique. 
I, I'm not quite sure, but so it's like really hard. Like, yeah, it's like unique. Well, maybe unique in the in the business format. Like maybe we it's not your typical studio. Maybe it's a remote studio. Maybe it's a uh, a show we make in the Unreal Engine, for instance. I've been studying yeah. a lot of, about the uh, possibilities of using Unreal Engine. And I think that's, that's what I mean is a, a movie that's made in a different medium almost. Like I, mm. I don't mind Maya. So we animate in a program called Maya, but it does start to feel a bit old and old school. Yeah. I'd like to evolve into something a little more modern at some point. Nice. Well, I know that uh, Sean is from our chat. He, you know, he's got some interesting ideas about VR and, and things like that. So that might also be cool to work on, I guess. <laughs> I definitely would be. Yeah. Sean, one thing about Sean that's really cool is he's always, I don't know, he's always trying to stay ahead of the curve in terms of technology. And sometimes he gets a little ahead of himself, but other times I think that that's a good thing. So yeah, nice. yeah maybe he inspired this from me. So you never know. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe, I don't know. Just being in that environment would certainly change your perception on how things are. Um, mm -hmm. I'm wondering, can you give us, you, you kind of gave a snapshot of those 60-ish animation, 3D animation studios in Vancouver. What is the industry like overall? Is it super competitive like i know that van arts is there and and a lot of people go there to work on cg films um is it hard to get a job just as it was when you were starting out hmm i think it's easier yeah uh, yeah i think that there are a lot of studios that are looking for a lot of different talent um there is a uh, quite a bit of competition i would say but i mean I think that if you have a dream of working on a feature film, you can do you can accomplish that in Vancouver, hmm. and especially in a in a um, in a smaller role. Like let's say you just you're fixing shots or something, or you're uh, a production person who's just not maybe you're not an animator, but maybe you can. Uh, I know that they have a lot of people that fix fix shots, like where um, MPC uh, Sonic that movie was filmed was made in Vancouver. Yeah. Yeah. And they had a ton of artists and Detective Pikachu, a ton of artists just fixing, fixing shots and getting, getting those movies on their, uh, their resumes basically. Hmm. So it's a great place to do that. I think that the other roles like maybe animation director or technical director, or, uh, pipeline TD, something like that, like we pretty hard to get. Uh, I think those roles are actually pretty sought after everywhere. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, it's a great it's a great place. It is competitive, but I think that eventually, if that's where you want to be, you can definitely get work in Vancouver. So maybe if you're in Canada or the U.S. and you want to do CG, it might be a good idea to check out check out or apply to things in Vancouver. I definitely think so. I mean, uh, as I I told you before, it's the largest cluster in the world. Yeah. So if you want to work on visual effects, go ahead. There's tons of them. If you want to work on animation, go ahead. If you want 2D or flash, go ahead. There's tons. Nice. If you want 3D, or if you want TV, it's all there. There's there's 15 plus of each type. Has COVID impacted the situation at all? Yeah, I think that they're probably looking for more people. 
Oh, okay. Because uh, I was thinking one thing with, uh, you know, CG rendering is it takes a huge amount of uh, computer power, RAM, et cetera, whatever. Um, does that mean that you have a station set up at your house to handle all that? Or is it sent over a network to be handled in somewhere, like at the studio still? Yeah, so Arcana is a little bit different. I feel like he actually, uh, Sean, gave out studio computers to all his employees. Hmm. So he literally sent them home on Skytrains with massive towers. <laughs> so, so the animators brought their computers home. Sounds like a liability. I, I'd trip on the train and drop it all. <laughs> well, Sean's willing to take the risk, so he does. But uh, yeah, it's actually not too dissimilar from uh, Toy Story, the original Toy Story. Yeah. yeah. Funny story about that is that the servers got wiped, but somebody took home a tower and they had the, the movie on the tower. Crazy, eh? And history would be totally different if it wasn't that for that one person. I know. It's so funny. <laughs> Dang. Well, is it, as I feel like we've chatted a lot. We've chatted about the industry and your experience and, and you know, like w what you would do to become an animation director. Is there anything else you, you kind of wanted to share as we, as we wrap up the chat? Um, I think I'm good, Terry. Um, just to keep, I think that just to reinforce a point I may have kind of glossed over a little bit is don't animate anxiously. Don't animate under, under stress. Yeah. Just relax. Just do you do you and kind of let things be. I mean, it, it's going to work out. Your shots going to get done and animating under, um, under stress. It doesn't get the shot done faster. So you might as well just enjoy it. Totally. And it's also like a, a marathon, not like a, I feel like teach, school almost teaches you to do a marathon in a sprint at the same time. At least from my experience, you're constantly yeah. stressed out about everything. Yep. yep. But yeah, I totally, I totally, uh, you know, that what you just said, I, that resonates a lot with me. So yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is there, sorry, is there anything else you wanted to share? Uh, I, I, I think that's it. Um, cool. If people want to become animation directors, just become good leads. Yeah. That's yeah. another thing to, to, to write down somewhere yeah I think uh, that's if you're, yeah if you're a good lead you will become you know you will get your own shot at being a director at some point sweet well skylar thank you so much for coming on the chat it's been a pleasure thanks terry and thanks for the reschedule man i really appreciate it yeah of course and if you're listening and you want to check out skylar's work or get in touch with him or all that jazz you can do so by checking out his website which is skylarzare.com and i'll include that link in the description of this chat and that's all for now thank you so much for listening okay bye